Today I'm off down to Tur Western Aerodrome to meet Andy Draper of the Light Aircraft Association. Andy is the design engineer with the LAA and having joined from uh, Kitplane Company Europa, he now looks after the modification work for LAA aircraft but also oversees the ongoing airworthiness of all approved types. Uh, I was interested in finding out what the process was for building your own aircraft, so uh, who better to ask than Andy? If you recognise Andy's photo on the website, that's because uh, he was involved in the TV show A Plane is Born some years ago, and uh, it's often repeated on uh, one of the Discovery channels over here in the UK. Uh, he was helping Mark Evans build his Europa kit plane. So, for episode 51 of Flying Podcast, my first question to Andy was, uh, why should somebody build their own aircraft? Well, there are probably as, as many different reasons as there are people who want to build their aircraft, yeah. um, ranging from just the sheer satisfaction of, of having achieved um, the construction of a major project, let's yeah. face it, yeah. and um, of course uh, the ability to learn new things, skills that you would never yeah. have otherwise been bothered to, to learn. Um, in my case, I, I learned simply because it was probably the most affordable way of of getting into flying and yeah. owning your own aircraft. I would imagine cost is one of the bigger considerations. Absolutely. Um, some people don't consider that. I mean, some people, the, the, the cost is not significant. It's just the ability to, to own an aeroplane that, in fact, probably more advanced than some of the certificated aircraft mm -hmm. you, can, uh, you can buy nowadays. Just a, a bit of a digression here. But you were the chap that was on the, the TV programme, the Building Your Own Aircraft. Oh, Europa. the plane is born. The plane That's is correct, born, yeah. Yes. I thought I recognised you yes. from somewhere. <laughs> but what was your history there? You were working for Europa at the time? I worked at Europa, yes. I was looking after the technical team up there and um, we were approached by uh, a film company who basically wanted to start up this series of, yep. of, uh, of projects. And one of them, we were very pleased that they chose the Europa to build. Yeah. So, you don't get royalties, do you, every time you appear yeah, on... Well, unfortunately, no. I was a bit naive <laughs> a on my man. contract. <laughs> Is it what led you to join the, uh, the LAA? Well, it, it probably all started when I first got interested in, in building an aircraft. I've always been fascinated with flying. And um, as I said before, I, I got into building an aircraft because I found it as, as, a, as a means of getting into flying affordably. And... Um, I was in engineering um, already, in, a, in aircraft engineering, and um, various different twists and turns in life, I ended up um, uh, working with Europa Aircraft. Um, it was designed by a guy I knew, he built a similar aircraft to mine, yep. and, um, and it sort of turned in full circle. I ended up um, working with the LAA, never dreamt I would, but mm -hmm. there are. Okay, you said you had an engineering background when you came to build your own aircraft. Would you say there is a minimum skill level that you require to, to do this sort of venture? Well, there is. You, you've got to have some sort of practical ability, but you don't certainly don't have to be an engineer. I'd say probably the majority of people in the LAA don't have any engineering background. Yeah. You know, lawyers, teachers, road sweepers, really the whole gamut. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no restriction. But yes, you've got to be able to put up a set of shelves and that mm -hmm. sort of thing and, yeah. and hope they don't fall down. <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you start off um, probably with little or no knowledge about aircraft construction, but by the end of it, you, 
you know, pretty much. Yeah. I know the, the aircraft that you saw on uh, on the TV that uh, you were instrumental in, uh, in helping build there, they built it in a, uh, a purpose-built shed almost, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yes. Can you build it in, in your, you know, a one-car garage, would you say? You, it depends on the type, of course, but yep. yes, you can. Um, the Europa, for instance, you could build pretty much all of the major components in a single-car garage. You'd need somewhere to store the bits you'd finished, um, yep. and, and some people are very innovative. Uh, I'll give you an example. The aircraft I built, um, parts were built in a lean-to beside the house. Yep. Um, the wings were built in the... I was building it with another guy, his, his kid's bedroom. Um, the fuselage was, was built in his father's garage, so you, you, you find all sorts of means and ways of, yeah. of finding facilities. But yes, you do need, uh, do need at least a garage. But it amuses the wife doing your engine run-ups, doesn't it, in the, in the kid's bedroom? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, we drew a line there. <laughs> do you get any funny stories uh, along the way of people that build it in a, in a room and then they find they can't get it out? And well... Uh, not haven't been able to get it out. Um, I, I do remember, um, I think a Dutch builder building a Europa um, sent some photographs in of, of this aircraft um, over the top of this probably four-story Dutch building. He he uh, need, needed to hire a crane to get it out the back of the house yeah. and back over the over the house and um, all sorts of strange photographs like that. Yeah. So let's say now you've made your decision you want to actually go ahead and build your own aircraft. What are the sort of options that are available to you? Well, anything from um, a very well-prepared kit down to a set of plans that you can uh, you can buy for less than £100 and go and buy the bits and pieces and, and put it together. Um, That's the ultimate, isn't it, in terms of the challenges actually plans well, built? Uh, well, perhaps the ultimate is to z- design and build your own. Oh, you can do that as well. You can indeed. Gosh. It's it's um it's a big task, and in fact, we're working on an initi- initiative here to produce some design tools in terms of uh, um, spreadsheets and things like that, which yeah. will help do the calculations. Like aerodynamics and, so and weights and such like. Well, yes, um, structures and and exactly that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but you can't rely on electronic aids to design your aeroplane for it. You've certainly mm-hmm. got to have your own ability to design and, and come up with concepts. Yeah. Could you say, and it's a difficult one, but what sort of cost as a minimum before you could get airborne? I'm sure you hear about people that boast, you know, only spend a £1,000 or something, but off the top of your head, roughly. Uh, well, realistically, you're probably talking about about £20,000 maybe. I mean, it really just depends on on how good a scavenger you are. You can mm-hmm. you can pick up an engine secondhand for not very much money that yeah. that's still still operating safely. Um, so you might be able to do it cheaper than that. But if you you know you consider the engine, it's going to be a significant proportion of your your powered aeroplane project. Then um, twenty thousand isn't isn't a bad figure to, to to consider really. Okay, are you limited to the type of aircraft that you can build? Well, in, in respect of fixed wing, um, mostly fixed wing, but we do accommodate gyroplanes, no helicopters. We yep. don't have that uh, skill set here. But really, um, the limitations are on horsepower. We are limited in terms of the remit with the CAA to 260 horsepower, but we mm-hmm. can go beyond that if, if we negotiate with the CAA. Yep. Um, Generally, no more than four seats. We do have some five-seater aircraft from 
which we've inherited from the certified world yep. of vintage types. Um, so yes, they're a maximum weight, I think, of 2,600 pounds as well. Okay. So, so yeah, there are limits. Oh, and piston engined aircraft only, no jets. Ah, Not shame. at the moment, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but everything that you even think of has to be approved by the LAA at some point, is that right? It does, yes. Yeah, we, we basically act as a regulator in this, in this uh, regard on behalf of the CAA. They're the ultimate authority, of course. Yep. <coughs> um, so you work on behalf of the CAA? We do. We're effectively like um, a branch, if you like, yep. um, autonomous, but, um, but certainly like a branch of the CAA. They oversee us. We have regular audits, make sure we don't uh, stray off the beaten path. Yep. Um, but um, yes, we, we basically will oversee all projects and modifications, anything that, mm -hmm. um, that's done on these aircraft and um, um, have to be satisfied before we make a recommendation to the CAA that the aircraft's fit to have a permit. Okay. Now to get the permit it has to be home-built. What governs the word home-built? Well, home-built aircraft, um, <coughs> they are sort of, um, covered by certain rules. Um, if it's a kit aircraft, the manufacturer of the kit must not do um, more than 49% of the construction. Mm -hmm. And that's that's divided over a whole series of the um, of the various tasks. You can't just build 49% of the aeroplane and then have the owner finish off with the paint and the avionics and the yep. stick the propeller on, that sort of thing. It's got to be divided amongst all the various components. Right. So, you know, you have to build more than 51% of, of, um, of the wings and the ailerons and yep. fuselage and that sort of thing. Why is that? Why, why the come up with this arbitrary 51% that you've got to build yourself? What's the rationale? Well, <coughs> I suppose it's really because we are, um, we're given certain privileges, if you like, in that we don't have to comply with certified requirements um, for a number of things. We do use certified requirements as a guide for the design of the aircraft, but yep. you don't have to have a certified facility or things like that. Yep. Um, and it's in a way to protect the certified world. In a way, you you, um, gotcha. yep. you know the, the certified aircraft manufacturers have to um, jump through a lot of hoops to to be able to produce an aircraft that the general public can can jump into. Understood. If you had a, a group of friends wanted to build an aircraft, could you still? share the work with a view to sort of sharing ownership and flying and still call it home-built 51%? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, indeed. In fact, probably uh, a, well, a significant proportion of, of home-built aircraft are built with with groups, you know, from from two up till, I don't know, uh, a dozen or so people. Yeah. But the project management gets a bit more tricky the, the more people there are. Sure. Commonly, you see three or four people in a group. I would imagine there's a fair few kits out there that you know are registered to, that are being built that have not seen light of day. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, in in the early days, dare I say, um, when kits effectively first came on the, on the market, or even when plans were being built, probably only 10% of projects started ever saw the light of day. Yeah. But that proportion is is going up simply because the investment is often greater if you mm -hmm. buy a kit. Yep. Um, at the very least, you'll sell it on to somebody else to finish. Uh, I was recently involved with the test flying of an aircraft that I think had gone through four different owners before it 
is finished. So, um, so you've started your kit, or are you thinking of buying a kit? You could actually buy a part-made one that someone else has started, absolutely, and still fulfil the requirements. Indeed, indeed, right. yes. I think on on your website you actually have a list of approved aeroplanes, don't you, that you could build. Yes, indeed. All Both in plan form and kit form. All the aircraft that, that have gained approval are, are listed. In fact, even those that haven't, we, we would put a under-survey banner beside it. If there's okay. an aircraft that we're looking at at the moment that hasn't quite reached approval, then at least it can give some people an indication whether or not to commit or not. Okay, and that's probably one of your larger... Uh, functions, isn't it, in the in the world of light aviation, is actually testing and uh, the engineering of. Well, we we certainly have to be satisfied that every aircraft that comes under the banner of the LAA has to be has to meet certain criteria. So yep. we don't we don't um, just accept a, a design on the on the face of it. The fact that it's been flying for fifteen years in the USA, for instance, yep. they operate under very different rules, if you like, than than we do. So yep. so we probably have the the um, heavier oversight, should we say, uh, f for any country in the in the world, frankly. Yeah. Is it fair to say other countries follow the UK? That you know, if you've done the testing, they'll they'll use your word on it, basically. Absolutely, and in fact, they they openly admit it. I um, I know for a fact that um, things done with the Europa aircraft that I was involved with, uh, let's say a modification or a new new design of something would come out. Uh, foreign entities would often just wait for PFA in those days, uh, yep. now LEA of course, um, to, to give us a green light and they would just simply rubber stamp and sanction it. So um, you've picked your aircraft, what's the process thereafter? Well, the first thing to do really is to register it with, with the LAA. So you have to register the project and you say... You register the project. You talk to you, you have to join, pay your membership and say... Indeed, if you're not already a member, yes, you do need to become a, an LEA member. Okay. If the aircraft is, is on the approved list, then we would issue you with a, um, a build record book, basically, and um, other information, of course, will go along with that. If the aircraft isn't yet approved, there may be an aircraft that's under scrutiny at the time, mm -hmm. we will not actually issue a build book, so you can't even start building it. Yep. There's no point in preempting things because, of course, if it's not approved, you end up with a, a garage full of parts. Yeah. That, um, a huge scale model. And you would actually come and check someone's premises, would you? Well, we don't personally. We have a network of LAA inspectors, all volunteers, yep. um, scattered around the country. Um, who who would, one of the first inspections would be to check the premises, yes. Yep. Um, certain types of aircraft will require specific premises, for instance, composite aircraft. Yep. Going back to a plane is born. Absolutely. Um, composite aircraft construction requires um, clean conditions. All, all aircraft construction really ought to be in yep. reasonably clean conditions. But, yeah. of course, composite aircraft require temperature control, um, and even humidity limits are imposed. So for a composite aeroplane, it's certainly more, more important than a metal aeroplane. But um, at the end of the day, you want to be working in a, an environment you're happy to work in. You don't want to be putting a, a wallpaper paste table over the lawnmower <laughs> and, and a single <laughs> light bulb and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, in the middle of the winter and trying to put, put a rib together. You, you, yeah. It's got to be a pleasurable experience. So. Yeah. Um, it's another thing to consider. So you have volunteer engineers around the country that are sort of, let's say, experts on a particular type of aircraft? Well, 
Inspector is probably the, the proper term. They they may well be experts in a particular type. They mm -hmm. may own the very model that you're building, but right. um, because it's um, a, a geographical limit, you, you wouldn't tend to drag an inspector 100 miles unless you okay. unless you want to. You can do that, of course. But okay. um, but yes, they, these inspectors are selected uh, and um, based on their knowledge on all things aircraft mm -hmm. and, um, and and demonstrated an ability to to judge what is correct workmanship and so forth. Yes, they've, okay. they've got a lot of experience behind them. All right. Would a home builder actually pay the engineer to come and see him? What's the sort of relationship there? Well, they're, they're volunteers. Um, it's expected that their ex uh, inspector's ex expenses are paid. Yep. You wouldn't expect someone to to come a long distance and, uh, and not recompense sure. them some, something yep. like that, a cup of tea and a biscuit, that sort yeah. of thing. But, um, <laughs> Sounds fair. Um, yep. Generally, no, they, they, um, they don't charge, but you know, you just have to talk to your, your inspector and find out what his, his uh, requirements are. Okay. Because they have local things called struts that I've seen meetings at Barton, that, which is like a, a local meeting, isn't it, of That's LAA right. members? They're basically groups of people that get together and uh, the, the, the types of struts are very variable. You can get a bunch of guys that meet down the pub talking aeroplanes once mm -hmm. a month to full-blown meetings with minutes taken and that sort of thing. Yep. And some of the more organised ones will hold fly-ins and competitions and all sorts of things, other organised events. So as a, as a member of the LAA, uh, you get support from your inspector? You yes. can go to your strut and ask for advice. Indeed. And they also contact engineering here at yes, I mean, we're, Western. Although we're, we're sort of a regulator in one respect, we are also you know, engineering as our principal function, if you like. Um, you know, we're there to support our members and, and if they need help in, in how to um, source materials or construct certain things, um, that's what we're here for. So let's say you, you've now completed your aircraft, do you just drag it down to an aerodrome somewhere and off you go, or what's the process? Well, um, not quite, yes, <laughs> you, you would, there's a certain amount of oversight. The, the aircraft will have been inspected throughout its, its construction, so every significant stage would have been looked at and an inspector would have signed his name to it, that he's happy with, with what you've done. So at the end um, of the construction, um, there is a final inspection, uh, uh, just a, a, a very thorough oversight of the entire aircraft. Mm -hmm. um, engine runs are done, fuel flow checks made, um, the aircraft's weighed and the balance of it calculated. Um, so there's a whole remit of, of checks done, physical yep. checks, and there's quite a bit of paperwork as well to be done. Um, How much responsibility is taken by the inspector at that point? Is he saying, well, it looks like it's built fine as far as I'm concerned, but it's your life in your hands? Or Well, or? yes, the inspector actually takes on quite a bit of responsibility. Yeah. Um, he um, He's signing his name to the uh, construction of the aeroplane, and so he does carry quite a bit of responsibility, yep. absolutely, and they certainly don't take it lightly. Yep. Is there a, a test flying program, or does he sign it off and then you're off no, on he, your own? No, he would sign off uh, all the inspections and, and so forth, and all the paperwork would then come into to us, and uh, the entire project would be reviewed, looked at by one of the engineers here, uh, make sure every, every single um, 
requirement has been satisfied, and only once that's well, that, once that uh, time is reached, then the boss, uh, Francis Donaldson, our chief engineer, will sign off a permit flight release certificate, mm -hmm. and that authorizes the aircraft to be flown uh, generally for a, a five-hour shakedown period, as we call it. This is um, to enable all little foibles to be sorted out and um, under no great pressure. Mm -hmm. And that's a minimum, by the way. Yeah. Um, once that period has passed and the aircraft has been proven to to fly correctly. and Who's doing this flying, by the way? <clears throat> well, it's possible that the, the builder might do it if he's got the appropriate skills. There are a network of three other uh, skilled pilots around the country that um, may have built exactly the same type of aircraft themselves. Yep. Um, so it's, it can be a number of, of different pilots, but um, all known to the LAA. Um, so once the shakedown flying has been completed satisfactorily, uh, then a flight test is carried out to a schedule mm -hmm. which, which we, we um, supply, and that is then submitted to us here. We'll look at that, make sure everything is as it should be, and if everything's um, satisfactory, we'll, we'll send off a recommendation to the CAA to issue a permit to fly. If it's a two-seater... Would you? Would the chance be that you know, if you were a home builder, you would go up with an inspector at the same time, or is it always a, a one-man operation, the, the test flying? Well, uh, we we don't have any aircraft on our fleet that require more than one crew, right. but um, certainly the first flights should be done with a single solo pilot. Once it's um, been shown and proven that the aircraft and all the systems are functioning correctly and satisfactorily, then. It is acceptable to take an observer on board, right. <coughs> and um, in fact, I should say we, we encourage it in a way because it can be quite a busy place, um, monitoring temperatures mm -hmm. and pressures, and, and also looking out and watching out for other aircraft. So if you've got someone that can take notes and and point out various things to you, that, yep. um, then it's certainly a, a very helpful thing to do. Okay. When you first built your aircraft. And did you do the test flying yourself? I didn't. I actually, um, I didn't have a pilot's license by the time the aircraft was finished. Right. Um, I got my license about a month later. So then I had to get trained on, on mm -hmm. my particular aircraft. What did you build? It was a Long Easy. Oh, right. American design, yeah, of course. With the canard, yeah. Indeed, yeah. So, um, great fun machine. And that was from plans, was it? The Long that Easy? That from plans. We didn't do kits for that. Mm, only available in plans, in fact, yes. It's, it's really, that was... Um, in the sort of early 80s, really, and kits hadn't really emerged. Um, plans was probably your, your best way forward in those days. Yeah, well, that's quite an enterprise, wasn't it, building that? Cause I've, I've read of people having to sort of form the cowl themselves of fiberglass or whatever. Absolutely, yes. The, the no cowlings um, at the time we built ours, we simply formed a, a shape around the engine covered it over with plastic first and, and formed the shape yeah. until it looked about right and the clearances <laughs> were right and, yeah. and simply moulded glass fibre over it. Yeah. And, uh, that was one of Rutan's designs, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. Very sort of futuristic. You can't stall them, can you? Well, you can't stall the main wing. This is the whole point. The, yep. the canard, the front wing, which carries 25% uh, um, of the total lift, was designed to stall first. That's one of its safety features. You can fly along with the stick fully back and the aircraft will just nod yep. and stay upright. But you need a, a firm surface to fly off, don't you? Like 
tarmac or ideally yes the wheels were quite small on that aircraft yeah. i did operate off grass once or twice but it's not really uh it wasn't really designed for that it's designed for those big long american runways of course yeah, yeah. so what happened to that well i i kept it for oh, about 15 years i think and um uh, in the end while i was working at europa i was getting plenty of flying in and uh and the aircraft was sat in the hangar most of the time, so I sold it on. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, the person that bought it um, had built his own Long Easy, but uh, shipped it to America. So he's got one in the States and one in the UK now. Very nice. So you've uh, you've been signed off. What what happens then? Is is the maintenance down to the owner entirely? Well, it is. It's the um, the owner's responsibility to to maintain the aircraft, and you could argue that the builder is probably most best place to to maintain the aeroplane yeah, yeah there are certain things that the owner cannot do stripping engines down to its individual components for instance but um a lot of the maintenance can be done by the owner of course and then every year um an lea inspector will come along and and look at the aircraft in detail and mm -hmm. make sure it's still as it should be because the aircraft is actually flying on what you would call a permit isn't it permit to fly yes yep. which is like the home builders equivalent of a C of A. Indeed, yeah. And that you have to get that checked every year by an inspector to maintain the permit to fly? Yes, exactly. Okay. There's a, a certificate of validity is renewed every every year. Okay. Do you as the LAA issue sort of as in the uh, the C of A type world uh, ADs? Well, um if if a particular problem emerges on a particular type, yes we'll we'll often um come up with what we call an airworthiness information leaflet. We will give guidance on, on what needs to be done to correct a particular problem. And if it's serious enough, the CEA will come along and, and back it up with a, an MPD, which is a legal uh, document that um, enforces one of okay. our AILs. And you just email that out to the builders? Or what? It gets distributed um, by various way? means, um, okay. usually by post, I think. If someone has built an aircraft, how do you go about getting trained on it? Does do the LAA help you with training at all? Well, we do. Yes, there's a a, a scheme, a coaching scheme, which um, includes probably thirty or or more coaches around the countryside, all with their own different skill sets. If it's a particular type of aircraft, let's say a, a pit special, tail dragging aerobatic machine, very powerful. Mm -hmm. You certainly wouldn't want to jump in one of those if you'd only flown Cessna 150s yeah. for most of your life. So it would um, it would be wise. Um, in fact, it's really a requirement to to get appropriate training, and um, we have coaches that can can assist in that manner. What sort of license do you need to fly a home built? Is there a restriction? Well, um, not in licensing. You need a, a pilot's license, just like any any other yep. aircraft would require. Um, uh, NPPL, National Pilot's Licence, or a f uh, um, just a normal PPL, yep. or if it's a, a Microlite, uh, the Microlite rating um, with your licence is, is what's required. So Okay, but if you had a PPL, for example, you wouldn't be able to go on and do instrument IMC ratings? No, we're, we're LAA aircraft are restricted to uh, daytime VFR flying only at the moment. There is a um, campaign going on at the moment uh, with the CAA to, to investigate whether or not we'll be able to extend to instrument flying, but that will be restricted to specific types if, if, um, if it happens. If, for example, you don't feel up to the task of building a kit 
can you actually buy a home-built aircraft ready-made? I think you've answered that question because you sold your... Yes, you, yes, you can. Um, quite a number of aircraft do get sold on, be it plans built, um, a unique one-off design or, or a kit, they can all be sold on. The um, th thing that we watch out for, though, is if, if somebody is a bit of a prolific builder, you know, building a, an aeroplane once every year um, yeah. will come under scrutiny. That's... that's um, Against the spirit of the whole thing. It's, okay. Um, so, so as long as it's a uh, genuine reason for sale. Yeah. I mean, there are people, of course, that absolutely enjoy building aircraft, um, yeah. and um, and do churn them out quite regularly. But, mm -hmm. um, the whole ethos of, of what you govern is that it should be for your own use, basically. Indeed, as long as it's not a commercial operation going on, then. Okay. And that's uh, quite a common thing to happen. If you were to buy a, a second-hand home-built, do the LAA offer any sort of support, inspection, or, or not? Well, indeed, uh, the um, we are here to um, to offer our guidance where it's appropriate, and it would be certainly wise of somebody considering buying a home-built aeroplane. Um, although, you know, a home-built aeroplane, a kit built even is. Um, it follows a certain design. Almost every single one is going to be different. They're mm -hmm. going to have the owner or the yeah. builder's yeah. own take on it. So certainly wise to get a, an LA inspector to to give it a once over to a pre-purchase inspection, if you like, um, yep. uh, to make sure there's nothing untoward on that particular aircraft. Okay, well that's great, Andy. Thank you very much for your time. That's Not at wonderful. All. Cheers. You're welcome. Andy Draper of the LAA. Ah, what a fine chap Andy is, and uh, it was very kind of him to spare the time to see me down at their headquarters in Northamptonshire. Uh, the LAA have uh, a great little setup down at Tour Western, and if you're thinking of building your own aircraft or uh, maybe just interested in grassroots aviation, then you really should think about joining up. Uh, you can find more about uh, what they're up to and what they have to offer uh, at the LAA's website, uh, and I'll put links to uh, the website on uh, the Flying Podcast website. In a future episode, I'll be chatting to a guy called Brian Hope, also from the LAA, uh, and I'll be asking him about the uh, the broader remit of the LAA, finding out what they're up to other than just uh, overseeing uh, home building. Uh, I'd also like to uh, maybe get hold of a self-builder for a future episode. So anyway, watch this space. Don't forget to have a click on some of the links on the Flying Podcast website. Pick up a few uh, aviation-related presents for yourself or uh, your friends or relatives. Uh, the small amount of commission I get help keep uh, helps keep the podcast running. Well, that's it for episode 51. Uh, if you have any comments as usual, suggestions for future episodes, or if you'd like to take part, you can email me on steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Speak to you again soon.